So I'll be here in the USS Post Show talking about how I have no rhythm, but don't worry about it. We're doing the series finale, the season finale of Star Trek Prodigy. Some of that animated stuff. Get some love. It's a moral star. Parts one and two after the jump. This episode of Commander's Log is brought to you by Geek Renaissance. Need that special gift for the nerd in your life? Love supporting small business? Look no further than Geek Renaissance. The artist, Sephra, makes all items by hand and will boldly go to the final frontier for your unique gift. Head over to geekrenaissance.company.site and use the code FLOBITO, that's F-L-O-B-I-T-O, to get 10% off your order. Don't forget to follow, like, and share Geek Renaissance on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Oh, look alive, Captain, on the bridge. What's going on, sir? Everybody, how you doing, baby? Oh, man, another week. We made it. Mr. Boyce, what an exciting week you programmed. Oh, my gosh. I I went through such a journey with Star Trek Prodigy. And I wouldn't have gone through it if you hadn't forced me with a (gasps) phaser to my head. Wait, wait, you can't start saying just, thank you and be all nice. Like, well, you forced me against my will to consume this content. Now I feel bad. No, no, it was it was really <laughs> honestly. Um, I think you're gonna get one of the best reviews of this show that anyone has ever given. Oh, this I have to see, but I give a shout out to everyone in the chat right now. Curse Marie, what's going on? We're yes, broadcasting yeah. live. What's up, beautiful? <laughs> yeah. You know, I always wonder, do you like watch on a desktop, a laptop, a tablet? Do you have all multiple shows going? Me and JLJ were talking about this. You seem to be everywhere, girl. Props to you. More male lady. Uh, we're broadcasting you live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Now, LinkedIn, start- man. I have you're, no you're idea. So awesome. Dude, they haven't so stopped awesome. us yet. They haven't stopped us yet. <laughs> you're so awesome. I love it. So, so Star Trek Prodigy drops, and I saw the, I think it was a New York Comic Con intro. Mm. The hype video, the package, it had Will Wheaton there. I was all about it. And then when it was released, it, no one really tends to talk about it. I don't really feel like people hate it or they love it. Most folks I've come across are kind of like, I saw the first episode. It was I hate. Uh What was your original impression uh, of Sasha Prodigy? Um, I, you know, I can actually kind of go uh, step by step because I did watch a bunch of these episodes, not all of them. And actually, there's a story to that as well but tell me uh, well i i knew at some point i wasn't going to be able to watch every single episode at that point i had seen one and two and uh maybe three maybe i'd gotten up to three at that point and then i was like oh it's a long way to nine and ten now (laughs) and those are the specific episodes we're talking about so I wanted to make sure that I had something going with the series, that I had some sense of the series. So I went and I found this guy uh, who does, he's he's got like 7,000 views on um, his Jealous. first episode <laughs> uh, and where he breaks down uh, episode one. And then he breaks down all the episodes of the season but by the time we get to um, 
episode nine, which is uh, Moral Star Part One, he's mm-hmm. only getting three thousand eight hundred views, almost four thousand. Wow. wow! But he's he's down by a, about three thousand views just on his viewing of it. Mm-hmm. And I got to give this guy credit. Uh, I think his name's Evan, um, but it's Sci uh, Fanatics uh, on uh, on YouTube and. What an even-handed, fair reviewer he is. So yeah. the the episodes, I knew I wasn't going to be able to, to get through. I watched his breakdowns right up until um, episode 9 and episode 10, which I watched myself. And I have to say, his approach really changed my appreciation for the show because his approach is this, Flobo. Go on, tell me. He looks at Prodigy as a lesson-by-lesson guide to kids, or anyone, I guess, who is brand new to Star Trek. And so in this episode, we learn about the transporter. And in this episode, we learn about first contact. And in this episode, we learn about engines. And it's kind of fascinating to look at it in a sort of lesson by lesson approach. And he's got young kids who watch it with him. So he's, he's observing his kids and how they're taking in star Trek because he hadn't really, you know, made them watch a lot of the grown up versions that he enjoys at this point. Yeah. So I really dug that. I thought that was well, a good me, way to go. Cause it is here real quick. A uh, shout out to the chat right here. Chris Marie says she's on her tablet right now. Thank you so much. And well, do I say the all-star from Picard and Trek tonight at JillTownsend.com? Jill Townsend says, unlike Lower Decks, Project teams are being more aimed at kids, especially given the Nickelodeon co-branding. If so, it's a quantum leap. Wait a minute. No, the franchise is dark. It's a quantum leap <laughs> in terms of programming the anime series. Now, here's what I feel about True. Prodigy. Um the first two episodes I saw when it came when the episodes dropped to me felt different. I hate using the phrase didn't feel like real Star Trek because I get triggered when I hear that because my favorite Star Trek show Discovery gets it all the time. But yeah. I really feel like it was a different formula altogether. But much to your point, John, and I have not seen Siphonetics work, but I kind of feel they found a different way to explain things that were kind of table stakes in Star Trek. Things that I had to figure out as an adult. Like, why do I care about dilithium, for example? Yeah. Uh, there's something they say, oh, these are star drives, these are warp drawers, and this is why it's important. So to me, it's a roundabout different way. Well, you'll notice you're going to have some kids going up with, that's my Star Trek. And the example I use for that is, when I was a kid, there was a pup named Scooby-Doo, and that is Scooby-Doo to me. Everything else, 13 ghosts and all, are all fake. <laughs> Damn. True, true story. But I, I, I totally get what you're saying. I completely get what you're saying. There are times when in my brain, even though I'm an old, old man, um, mm. there are times where I think of the next generation as being the most Star Trek of all the Star Treks. Yeah. I know I'm not the only fan who feels that way. And clearly that's not true. The original right. series and the animated series and the movies came before that. Yeah. However, this is the one. Yeah, this is, I mean, there's one. There's always one. And um, and I'm a big one for this. There's a Star Trek for everybody. If if there isn't yet, there will be. There oh, yeah. Be. Yeah. 
Joe Townsville adds, don't get me started on Scrappy Do. You hate puppy power. <laughs> details on 11. Uh, just a little bit of a background here to just for the technical aspect of it. I think it's the first time or second time this show is covering Prodigy, but it takes place in, uh, on the USS Protostar in the year 2383, which is um, Voyager is 2371 to 2378, so two years after the event of Voyager, uh, and Lower Decks takes place at 2380. So this is three years after the first season of Lower Decks, two years after the end of Voyager. It's very tight in the continuity here. Uh, yeah. This episode had nine writers, which I didn't write down all of them, but geez, nine. <laughs> uh, but here's my question for you, Captain. Uh, yeah. We talked about this for Lower Decks. Thoughts about the intro? intro theme the visuals on board not on board too much not enough that it feels star trek to you okay um i have to all right i have to run uh oh uh -oh. And, and uh see if there's any okay i have to say this and i'm uh -oh. so glad you asked because it was one of those things that was in my head but i'm not sure i was going to remember to say it i'm a journalist i think this might be my favorite intro of any star trek show what how dare you i think so you can't say that and mean that right captain the the music is absolutely gorgeous it is done by a real orchestra um and i can't find the name so i'll, I'll have to do a little digging for that um the 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 visuals, I'm one of those people who's like, ah, I'll complain all day about Star Trek Voyager. But if you ask me, that that opening sequence to the show is gorgeous. I, I've always loved it. Uh, the music composed uh, by Michael uh, Gianchino uh, has a lot of uh, credits on there. Now, I don't like the music here at all. I mean, I'll, I'll, tell really? you I'll tell you why. Because you're going to totally shake my head and go, that's on brand, okay. but the, the score uh, throughout the, the incidentals and scenes are perfect. But the actual theme song to me sounds like a total homage mm -hmm. <laughs> to, the to the theme song to Green Lantern's First Flight by J.T. Kroll. So I heard that. And I was like, wait a minute. Oh, man. So you can't be coming in Green Lantern's house and taking up his beats. I, oh. I can't rock with that. <laughs> oh man, I ain't feeling that. You know? <laughs> See, now this is crazy. This is crazy <laughs> to me because you straddle two worlds that are constantly at war with each other, and yes. that is Paramount, which is Trek, and Warner Brothers, which is DC Comics. Mm -hmm. Fighting it out. There's no crossover there. There's no. Gentle sharing going across there. I didn't read they, part two, but the first crossover between uh, TOS and Green Lantern, I was like, man, they are really jobbing out the Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> My guy's supposed to go over. <laughs> I mean, it's it's always been so funny to me that the Green Lantern Corps would be second best to anyone. <laughs> right. You, you basically have... Um, you know, Green Lantern is in so many ways Superman. He can do almost everything Superman can do. And there's a core. <laughs> there's, there's potentially, I don't know where the numbers are right now, but there were hundreds, I think thousands. Yeah, thousands. <laughs> thousands of Green Lanterns. So thousands of Supermans. 
and probably hey, you know argue with me all day uh folks in the chat people watching argue with me all day that green lantern is not superman fine he's not exactly but is he invulnerable yes is he super strong yes can he travel through space yes can he travel super fast yes look come on he can do almost everything superman can do come on I would argue that there's some aspects that are stronger because willpower does more when you set your mind to it. But we'll have that conversation here because I will totally argue. Because I feel weird because I, I have to defend Superman because people hate him. But at the same time, it's like we all know Green Lantern Corps is better. Um, totally, 12 minutes in, we're rambling. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's right on brand. Speaking of brands, that's right on brand for us. <laughs> I was telling Flobo earlier about what a fantastic brand he's, he's built. Um, in all of his shows and all of his work. And yeah, and he's doing the Pasha. Oh, Pasha. But, you know, I, I do I do like to encourage our Mr. Boyce. He's, he's a real <laughs> artist, and I don't think he remembers it all the time. Me screaming about Greenlander. And I'm single. Can you believe that? Okay, so let me ask you this question. This, this, yeah. <laughs> this Please is do. awkward. Does Prodigy succeed as a series for children? Is, is it something that kids you would think would be into, or does it reek of try hard now just to say on one side you have a unique take on some of the characters some legacy characters in there but on the other side you have an animation style that borrows very heavily from star wars clone wars it's on nickelodeon with his other properties on that channel where do you land on that that is uh wow what an excellent question um i think i think when we're dealing with this show there are moments i i'm a man who has has not had children. I, I have not raised children. Um, just how it worked out. Did I want to? Yeah. Several times in my, in my life, I did want to have kids, but um, there are also loads of time in my life where I went, thank God I'm not putting any kids through what the crap I'm going through right now. So yeah. uh, I've got to say, I think, okay. So the makers of this show are the guys from Ninjango? Yeah, the Lego series. Yeah, uh, very popular, hugely popular. Also, the Troll Hunters series. This is uh, Kevin and Dan Hageman. Hageman? Mm -hmm. Not sure how to pronounce that. They know what they're doing. They they come from children's programming. They they know they know exactly what they're doing. They're working for Nickelodeon. Not going to be a lot of bad moves here. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, they know what they're doing. However, uh, the main character is this kid, Doll. Mm -hmm. Doll is the ultimate outsider. He doesn't remember his parents. He doesn't remember his race. He doesn't know what planet or even what system he's from. He... Uh, he represents all of the uh, unwanted. Yeah. Uh, who are, that's a really nice word for the slaves. Pretty they're, much. They're slaves. Uh, yep. it, it's, it's kind of interesting that people are so mad right now that children are learning about slavery. And, you know, in these people's minds, children are learning to hate who they are because they're white. And right. wh white people did slavery. So uh, that's terrible. Um, right. Look, history is history. And terrible is terrible. Right. Uh, you know, I 
I appreciate them not using the word slaves over and over again. I appreciate them showing slavery. True. Sh showing how, how cruel it is, how absolutely horribly cruel it is to treat people like this. And of many, many races and species. It also has a powerful ending in, uh, I won't give it away quite yet, but give in, it away, y'all. Well, in episode 10, our, our crew, I might even get, uh, I might even get emotional about this because I loved it so much. I actually did cry watching yeah. these two episodes. Um, you're welcome. What they, what they managed to do. One of the many things that the crew of the proto star our prodigy crew manages to do is to provide the universal translator to all of these slaves. Mm -hmm. And it is such a huge moment for all of these different species to finally be able to communicate. Yeah. Not only that, but they, they band together because of it, because they can. It really is the secret of how this ultimate big bad guy is beaten is the unity of people who were called the unwanted and who were enslaved. The fact that they can get together and put that people power together. I'm just using the word people. Not everybody hears people. Right. Uh, <laughs> all of these beings are able to unite. Uh, it, it just hit me in my heart so hard. That that was never the goal. They were never saying like, if we do this, then everything will be. No, it accidentally happened. Yeah, and that's the power of unity, the power of people coming together. Yeah, it, it does matter. I mean, not to not to make light of what you're saying, but I used to work at a a very bad overnight job at a big box realtor and a retailer, and everyone spoke one language, and I spoke English. Um, and so it was really hard to be be in the suck with, uh, with a crew without being able to communicate with your crew. I mean, morale is based on the team you're with. You can't even express yourself. When we had someone that was, you know, who knew both languages, who was bilingual, it, it really changed the game for all of us. It was like, oh, okay, he's going to the bathroom or he wants a snack. Oh, he's not just being weird. So I can see that on a very small scale. Granted, it wasn't slavery. I mean, it was a very small scale, but I see the, the importance of finding a tribe. Uh, you know, I, I just remember... You hear it in music all the time, but um, I remember it being in music and on TV uh, in the late 60s and the early 70s when I was a child. And um, the phrase power to the people. It seems so quaint now. Mm -hmm. It's but really customs, politics, leadership, uh, religion. These things all had so much power over how things were done up to the 60s. Yeah. And the moment, and maybe the other old heads out there can back me up on this, the <laughs> moment that we started looking at um, what happens to the least of us, and, okay, you know, I, I am a preacher's kid. I was raised in uh, the Christian church, um, and... I always like to say the good part of Christianity. Right, right. <laughs> the loving part, the part that sustains and unites. And power to the people was very much a uh, a message like that. It 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 basically said we're going to try to make things better for everybody. Now granted, 
there were people then and there are people now who goes, well, that's socialism. Glurgity, glurgity, I'm going to get my gun. Glurgity, glurgity. You varmints. Yeah. Like there are people who oppose it now. But if there's one thing I've seen in my almost 60 years on this planet, it's that progress always wins. Progress always moves forward. You can slow it down. You can slow it down, but you can't destroy it. Mm-hmm. It is inevitable. And as a guy who's in his 60s, I've had lots and lots of times for me to go, well, my beliefs are constantly being questioned. Maybe I should question them. Hey, yeah. what, what's going on with that belief? Oh, it's a terrible belief. All right. I leave that belief behind. I get a new one that works for me. I yeah. question everything. And it's always helped me to move forward. Um, kids just do that. That's natural for kids. Kids, kids go, that person's different. Why are they different? I'm interested. Right. Does there, you know, is their difference a huge difference? No, they're still like me. And so kids can be so accepting and and so uniting um, that I, I love where the series ended uh, so far. Okay. Uh, Much more than I like how it began. I did not like how it began because personally, I think this. I think this main character of Doll is one of the worst main characters I've ever seen in any show ever. Por qué, hermano? Well, okay. He is proudly stupid. Okay, that's true. But so is um that Toretto kid from Fast and Furious Spy Racers, the lovable okay. loser leader. Oh, yeah. oh, is there another one with a noble loser leader? Yeah, I forget his first name, but he plays like Vin Diesel's character's like, like cousin. Or something like that. And he's the main character. And everyone else is smarter around him. Uh, yeah. 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 So how is he the leader, though? I mean, I uh, just don't Because he's, he's like very, almost like the Futurama show Zap Renegan. Like, he's the guy brave enough to go, guys, we should do it. You're like, well, we haven't thought anything out. Well, we're doing it anyway. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> that, that fallacy. <laughs> and that works. That totally works. I mean, it's funny because we've talked about this uh, many times, how Star Trek is so... Um, slanted towards humans mm-hmm. like tony Toretto, by the way tony was the character tony tony Toretto. tony Toretto. Uh, it in uh in the case of uh most star trek they admire that humans are crude oh they don't admire that they admit that humans are crude and that they're kind of backwards next to these so many other races in space however they have the capacity to evolve. Oh yeah, we don't better know. themselves. They constantly question uh, what they do wrong, um, and you know, I, I kind of, I kind of love that. I kind of love that. By the way, that happens in the DC universe too. I know, but I feel like humans are always so messed up that if I went to like an intergalactic comedy club, everyone would have human jokes. You know, humans make their ex sadder like this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they got us. Yeah, we're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, humans are dancing like this <laughs> what are they thinking they don't get their tentacles out there and just exactly. wave them around that's fun exactly that's my next girlfriend's is gonna be thelian okay <laughs> okay well obviously the next thing you and i have to do is we have to do an intergalactic comedy club <laughs> we get booed in so many different languages our universal translator just breaks <laughs> It's got to be one of those, like, it's human night at the, <laughs> right, right. At the last yeah, universe. Humans. 
Where my humans at? Oh, man. Y'all are dressed like some Klingons here tonight. Let's talk about the other characters. Is anyone really stuck out for you? Uh, I think what has it got for me was uh, I had to go look this up that we had zero, which mm. was actually a Medusan, which was yeah. something that was explained in main Star Trek canon. So I was like, oh, wow, it's kind of cool. There's still, still tendrils out there. Absolutely. That's like a 50 year old reference right there. Uh, and, and like, I have to admit, I haven't seen the Medusan episode. Oh, we should have done that on Starbase 80. What's wrong with me? Uh, I, ha I haven't seen that episode. <laughs> we plenty of time to go back. I haven't seen uh, a Medusan in so long. Um, I I kind of I kind of felt good about that because here we are, you know. Here I am watching the show just like a kid who the show is made for. What am I learning? What are they learning? Even though I kind of know what's going on. And mm -hmm. in episode ten, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, zero is. Zero finally comes to the end of, of his beginning story, of his origin, they, and it is amazing. It's a they. Uh, it's they a don't they. have a body, so they're non-corporal. I had to look this up. I was like, what gender is a Medusa? And they have no gender because they're not a body. There's no parts. Pronouns are always important. <laughs> I, I respect every pronoun correction I'm ever given. They, them. Right. And uh, the I I do have to say this too um, because you you bring up an excellent point about the cast. This is some of the best voice acting work I've heard in a long time. Wow, high praise! It it really is because there are a lot of shows, uh, a lot of voice directors nowadays are very particular and very you know put their thumbprint on it. And you're getting, oh, my God, the bad guys. Uh, now, you know Jimmy Simpson. You've seen stuff with Jimmy Simpson. In Have I? Then? I'm looking it up now. Yeah, go look There's up Jimmy Simpson. This is live, live entertainment right now. Did you see um, oh. there was um, a, a show about the killing of Biggie Smalls? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Notorious, right? Uh, yes, exactly. And he's one of the detectives. Okay. Uh, okay. That's, that's working on the case. One of the first guys to work on the case, but um, he was also in, gosh, what was it called? There was an episode of black mirror. Yeah. Where black. there's a star Trek kind of show. I'm looking at all these credits. I guess he's typecast as a cop. Usually I'm looking at NYPD well, blue and. I mean, he's he's very young looking. He's on Westworld. He's a very big part of Westworld. Um, he he recurs young looking. I love it. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Well, you're you're young looking to me. <laughs> you are young looking though. But um, uh, Jimmy Simpson, yeah, USS Callister was the uh, Black Mirror episode. Uh, I know and... he's from, from House of Cards. I still recognize him from. Oh, House of Cards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very funny. He had a recurring role on Psych. Absolutely hilarious. Um, and and really capable with drama as well. He is playing the evil robot. Mm. He he is playing uh Dreadnought. Um D. Bradley Baker, I think. <laughs> oh, he's, like, he's everywhere. He's he's Batman, wasn't he's he? Everywhere. Batman? <laughs> yeah, he plays a million different things. He's playing Murph. The uh, oh. the blue shapeshifter. Um, so, hot oh. cast. 
Uh, just for a reference, yes. though, the episode, uh, just for those Star Trek fans who are like, what's up, Medusa? Uh, the original series, or those old scientists, uh, season three, episode number seven, is there no, is there, is there in truth no beauty, which is a tongue twister and a half. Uh, that's what that features the Medusans, if you're just curious about that. Absolutely. You, you've got, um, yeah, I, I'll just, I'll just keep it nice and, and general. You've got a really tremendous cast. And the the personality and the voice holding it together is Kate Mulgrew. Yeah. Janeway. Who uh, we know as Captain Janeway. She is one of the best actors, one of the best American actors of our time. So let me ask you this. Is it, is it a very conscious issue or conscious way to have Janeway be the, the, the voice of reason? Of all the captains out there, why do you think Voyager got the nod? Where's Scott um, Bakula? I I kind of love what they've done in that they've created a storyline that um, is surfacing like a shark fin in Prodigy Ooh. that tells us some things about Voyager. Go on. I think of Voyager, and I know this is, I know this is not a universally shared uh, uh, impression of Voyager, but. I, I feel like in production it comes out, which is Voyager is the bastard child. More than Enterprise. I think more than Enterprise. Okay. And and every show that came after Next Generation, of course, Next Generation is included too, was treated at some point like you're a copy of a copy. You're not very good. You're disappointing. You don't give us what we want. You know, fans go away. Fans don't discuss the show as much. It does not get the majority of fans behind it. Eventually, Next Generation became the flagship. Eventually, Deep Space Nine became the respected uh, uh, series that it is now. Um, I, honestly, it's Voyager's turn. Yeah. And as you said, Enterprise is going to get a turn at some point, too. I, yeah. I think. Because it really was a fine show. In, in so many ways. It just wasn't the right show at the right time. Gotta give a shout out there to Lars Newt. Also, Joe Townsend, who says, can you imagine if Kirk was made the hologram? Those poor kids would be scared. You know what? If it was Kirk in the motion picture, I would hate that. I'm like, hey! <laughs> yeah, me and old hologram. Don't take everyone's jobs. Okay. Uh, I mean, the thing is that Dahl, I guess, is the opposite Kirk. Yeah. You know, he's not brave. He does not have moral fiber. He does not have leadership skills. Uh, he's not good at reading situations. I mean, things that that were great about Kirk are things that we lack in this kid. And frankly, because there's another kid, Gwyn, the daughter of the big bad villain, the Diviner, mm -hmm. uh, Gwyn is super smart. She is super capable. She is. She becomes the number one. Early in the show, I'm like, what? What? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, how? What? Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the time we get to episodes nine and ten, which of course we're here to discuss, um, I I think you're absolutely right about Dahl being the right guy. He is the daring, you know, cowboy, the space cowboy. Yeah. Uh, he's a little more like Kirk. 
Yeah, we are. We're seeing that more. This is a step back about modern or postmodern animation in general, especially at the kids' level. We're seeing more of the dynamic where visually the male character is still up front in the poster, but now the female sidekick is the one that's like the re- like the tube of operations, and so that kind of plays into that as well. That's a whole thing piece of the time. But uh, much like Kirk, or the opposite of Kirk, Dow has his own dilemma in episode nine. Uh, it actually referenced Kobayashi Maru, which is another deep cut if you're a kid. Uh, talk about deep about that dynamic, uh, either or, dang if you do, dang if you don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, he it's it's very funny uh, to be a fan uh, and and watch this series because at some point he's looking, he discovers the hologram. And so now all the youngsters watching Prodigy get to see what the hologram's all about. Yeah. And it, it's really funny that of all of the programs that are in there and all the programs are in there, including the um, Jane Austen programs of uh, Captain Janeway are, are in there, but also the Kobayashi Maru. And he chooses that. Yeah. And he ch- chooses his crew. So he gets, you know, Odo, Dr. Crusher, Mr. Spock, kind of, you know, who who can't love this kind of fan service, especially being in, in, introduced to kids. I love yeah. that. I want kids to know who Spock is. Crusher, I don't care. But <laughs> <laughs> dang. But Odo. Shut up, Shut up, Wesley's mother. Yeah. I I don't hate Beverly Crusher, but honestly, we've we've had better doctors. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole will they, won't they? It was like you're not you're not going to they. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) You're not what what are we doing? (laughs) I love my she had an affair with a ghost. Great. Oh yeah, what the hell was up with? Okay, you know what? That is a an issue for Starbase eighty, part of the Weber Internet Thingy Network. Where I go absolutely nuts for things like that. Uh, we got it. We got like After and Voyager. dark. <laughs> after dark. <Trek> after dark. <laughs> Who We're got crazy with a ghost, Doctor Crusher? Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I love that he basically got his education through the episodes i wish i hadn't been there for it <laughs> those are yeah. stories i was hungry to see oh yeah but you know i don't watch a lot of these shows i didn't watch star wars rebels i didn't uh you know i saw a bit of uh clone wars i i'm i'm not really into the kid sci-fi genre as much you know i i go back into this because one i'm gonna say how old i am and two it's a cut no one gets but Towards the late period of the original Jim Henson company, they had a show called Brats of the Lost Nebula from the original Fraggle Rock team. Wow. And the story was these were Muppets, right? Because yeah. Muppets are, are marionette puppets. So they had the, they had the like, little stick hand. Yeah. Uh, they were all orphans that hijacked the ship, and the ship was going through space. So I held off on Prodigy for a long time. I go, this is just Brats of the Lost Nebula with some Janeway thrown in. And to be fair, it kind of was. Yeah. But let's talk about how the series or the season ends. There's actually a Janeway, and she's around. She's a vice admiral now, and she's on a mission, and she's located the protostar. Now, let me ask you this. Did the show make the right call by having the actual Janeway, it seems, on the show? Would you rather have it just be like the hologram situation? I see this conversation in star trek fan groups of what would have happened if they kept going with the um with voyager would it have finally be recognized as a great show would people finally 
you know, would it would it take a much higher place in the canon? Uh, and as always, you know, and you you see this this conversation had about any show, uh, plenty of times about Enter- Enterprise, but specifically Voyager, because by the time Voyager got to its last episodes, the audience was really small. Yeah, not not as many people seeking out Voyager as they are seeking out the others. Uh, I. I honestly think it was a bold move and I think it was a great move to go. There's still more to the Voyager story, just like Picard. There's still more to the story of Jean-Luc Picard. There's still more to the story of Captain Chakotay. He was never a captain while we were, well, he was at the very beginning, a captain of his own ship, but he lost. Well, that doesn't count because that pilot was basically thrown out the window. Let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) We have a show. No, we don't. Okay. The new show is Chakotay is his boyfriend. boyfriend. But exactly, exactly. And Chakotay was at one point a very honored captain. He was a very well-respected captain. He joined the Maquis. And what do I always say about the Maquis? The Maquis were never wrong. Oh, Say what you will about the McKee. They were always right. They always said the Cardassians were backstabbers. They always said the Cardassians should never be trusted. And uh, frankly, Gul Dukat becomes the evil Pope of the Cardassians. Look at your supporting fear mongering. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Awful. Thought you were a Starfleet, Captain. <laughs> never trust the Cardassians. Never. <laughs> and of course, that's wrong. Right. Plenty of good Cardassians later, but, um, <laughs> you know, much later. Uh, what, what we, uh, what we have in this is we've got a sub story that us grown up fans can go. Yeah. What did happen after they got back on Voyager? Where did Chakotay, you know, was Chakotay embraced once again by the Federation? I guess yeah. he was, he was a captain and they gave him the proto star. The Protostar's an amazing ship, of course. I mean, if you just love the the vehicle porn of Star Trek, it's like one of the best ships ever. Oh, they gave it to you. Yes, I I love the Protostar. But here's my final question, though. Let me jump in real quick. The problem I had with Discovery was that the first season of Discovery was his own thing. And then by season two, they tried to keep adding the eventual Strange New Worlds mainline stuff that became this crazy beast. Is that a problem you see happening there? Or you think that... You know, this team is different. They'll find a way to make it all work because the characters that we have now are pretty loosey-goosey. Um, they're going to really have to push this storyline that they set up at the end of this first season of uh, of Prodigy. And, um, and that is that Gwyn and her father, the Diviner, uh, they had their reasons for hating the Federation. The Federation pretty much was a big part after first contact with the Federation that there was a civil war on their home planet and it went downhill from there. And Most it's all, this that. yeah. And so they, I'm giving away a lot here. Give it all uh, away. The diviner goes back in time with his daughter. And now they're trying to keep fir- first contact from ever happening to their planet. That's a noble thing. Save your planet. However, they're willing to destroy everything to do that because they think they are the slavers of the universe and they get to enslave everybody. I mean, boy, was their face going to be red with the pound? That wasn't the case. (laughs) (laughs) My mistake. But you've got got this thing that's planted in Gwen's mind and she can't even access it now. It's kind of gone, which is there must 
they must not go to the Federation. They must not return the protostar mm. to the Federation because the protostar contains things that will destroy the Federation. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to give everything away about that dilemma. I think it was pretty. Well, solid. I did but, that. No, that's fine. It's totally fine because if as long as you do it, we can still keep. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> question, and it's a question that I, it kind of gets to be in this show pretty quickly. But is Starfleet a force for good? Because it seems oh. to me, whenever there's problems, Starfleet's always involved. People don't really like Starfleet. What's good? Uh, you know that is that. That's one of my favorite storylines that comes up in modern Trek is what are the failures of Starfleet? Because come on, there have to be some. It, it, yes, it's a it's a it's a good-hearted organization, but you don't fix things with a sledgehammer. Mm -hmm. And so when you've got such a big powerful organization that can offer so much to people to join it. Uh, how much do they lose in the process in their own cultures? How much do they, um, you know, go from being the number one planet in their system, like uh, the Diviners planet, and that now they're now they're nothing. Now they go down to the bottom because now that they're a member of the Federation or that they've you know done dealings with the Federation, uh, they they go on the wrong path for them. Yeah. It's not right for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good question because in the original series, they don't ask that. They just say, look, Manifest Destiny is a great thing. Yeah. The white man's burden is a good thing. Bing. Uh, <laughs> and, okay. And hey, we're super nice to black people, except when we're not. Yeah, exactly. That whole episode of Tashi let's be real. Um, <laughs> wasn't racist, but come on, let's be honest. They weren't the good guys that episode. Exactly, exactly. That uh, matter of honor. Matter uh, of honor. For anyone, who's, anyone who's uh, asked a uh, code of honor. I'm sorry, code of honor. Um, yeah, I mean, look this this whole idea of extending the imperialistic spreading of you know Western culture. Um, it, it's not right for everybody. You got to admit that. Even if you personally benefit from it, you got to admit not everybody benefits from it. And that's a good story to tell because it keeps us from making mistakes in the future. As we're right down here, because we got ourselves a Picarder episode over at the Weber Internet thingy happening in about 20 minutes time. One more question for you there, Captain. You ready? You ready for the I'm hot? Ready. ready for the heat? I'm ready. All right. So we talked mm. about Prodigy's first season. We talked about Janeway, Chakotay. We talked about the music and all the decisions and the references and the old races. True or false? Star Trek Prodigy is true Star Trek. True or false? Wow, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Because what makes something true Star Trek to me is the presence of Starfleet in that idealistic sense of, you know, well, these are replicators. You don't have to pay. Yeah. The, this is provided for you. This is one of the many things we, we provide, you know, shelter and, and clothing and cleanliness and fresh water and fresh food. We provide these things to you. Um, so in that sense, it, it's, it's Star Trek. Honestly, my advice to people is this. Watch the first two episodes and watch the last two episodes. Wow. <laughs> and maybe if you feel like going back, you yeah. can watch the in-between because there's good stories in between. 
But I have to say, it becomes Star Trek. It does not start out that way. And I did not like that. Interesting. I'm with you. I, I, I think that having the first episode be a heist seems pretty like, I don't want to be on board here. But by the time episode nine comes around and they have the makeshift uniforms and they're saying, um, go fast instead of let's fly. It's like, oh, all right. I guess it's kind of a crew, a ragtag crew, unsanctioned I, crew. I mean, ragtag crews are, you know, Picard has been running on ragtag crews for uh, two seasons now. And actually that show gets better and better. So debatable. Uh, <laughs> that is debatable as heck. That's <laughs> It's different. Uh, it's going. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, uh, jazz is still music. It may not be written down. It's still, you know, improvisational and magic and in the moment. And, yeah. and there are moments where the variations of Trek do feel like jazz to me. Although Avery Brooks always said Deep Space Nine was jazz. And he should know. But I I think um, I think the greatest moments happen in episodes nine and 10. And that's rough. That is freaking rough to go mm -hmm. through eight episodes of agreed. I don't know, man, is this going to get good? But it, there is that moment. I think it's in episode nine where hologram Janeway says, you know, you made the tough call, Dell. They have to go back to the planet where they, where they were slaves or else all the other slaves are going to get murdered. Very starfleet. And and that that's exactly what hologram Janeway says. Like if I ever doubted you were starfleet, I know you're you're starfleet now because you're willing to lose everything to save people. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to know about starfleet. And that is in there. And that's why this fifty nine year old man was sitting on his couch crying watching a cartoon. Because that is exactly what Starfleet is. You go up, you march through hell for a heavenly cause. You know, the day over 45, but <laughs> that's that true. That does it for us, man. If a commander's log next week, we have even more animated content as we get ourselves ramped up for strange new worlds. We're happy right here on this channel. I can't wait. But Captain, if I want to connect with you or see Picard, how will go about doing that? Uh, you can go over to the Facebook page of Weber Internet Thingy, or you can go to the YouTube channel, Weber Internet Thingy, and we are going out uh, 5 p.m. So uh, 5 p.m. our time, 8 p.m. on the uh, East Coast. Uh, yeah, be sure to join me and uh, the Trek Boys as we, not the Pep Boys, the Trek yeah. Boys. That's what we're uh going with right now. Got it, like Manny, Mo, and Jack. It's like exactly like John, exactly. John, Leo, and Chris slash Griffin. That's how it is. And, and Joe, because and we Joe, got Joe yeah, because as well. Joe signs the big deals, man. He leaves those top tier content, so you know, it's hottest damn talent in the business right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's Joe Townsell. Me. Buy stock in Joe Townsell. Forget Bitcoin. Buy buy Townsell <laughs> coin. Yeah, and I'm on the street. I have no one to blame about Joe and myself. Uh, that does it for me. I'll be back next week with another edition of Commander's Log. But until always, come say the words. Live long and prosper, my babies!